One of the exciting things about this evening is the next, the first speaker that we will introduce. He, he is a man who is at least one of the most profound speakers I've ever heard. And, and what he brings forth will stir your heart, it will strengthen your faith, it will challenge your spirit, and it will cause you to step forth and, and do more and be more involved. And it'll be it'll give hope and all the good things I could think of. He's so keenly knowledgeable of the Constitution and its intent, its original intent. He's a strong activist for Christian values. And what I like about him is he understands the issues of our nation today. And that's something that seems to be missing from the public square, from the, our personal homes, from missing so much from the church world today, and it should not be. It just should not be. He pastors Fairview Baptist Church in Durant, Oklahoma. It's a church that is strong in their faith, and, and uh, he has so, many, so much strong support from that ministry. And I want to say this. Well, I'm not supposed to speak, but, but to the congregations, when your pastor begins to step up and stand out, speak up, and make a difference, support him. And I appreciate, amen. I appreciate Bill Ledbetter for stepping up and standing out. He's the founder of Patriots of America's Christian and constitutional heritage. He's one of Oklahoma's leading advocates for biblical values and the difference he's made in the, in the capital of Oklahoma and in his area and even across Texas. The difference he's made, the influence he's granted has helped encourage and shape uh, our state itself. He's also a member, uh, a board member of the Christian Values Coalition from where comes our Christian Values Summits. And so I want to introduce Pastor Bill Ledbetter. You'll love him, you'll enjoy everything he has to say, and I want to invite you to stand and give him a welcome that he deserves. My wife and I love Granbury, Texas. I'm originally from Lubbock. She's from Rockwall, Texas, and we met at Texas Tech, and then it's a long story how we wound up against our will in Durant, Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, I love Durant, don't get me wrong, I love Oklahoma, but I sure fussed with God for a year before I went there. He won, praise God, and I'm glad that he did. I want to come to God's all best-selling, all-time best-selling book tonight, the Bible. I want to begin in the Word of God for just a moment. In Matthew, the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 24, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet, it did not fall. For it had been founded 
on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, though, and does not act on them, will be like a foolish man. Let me say it again. Foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And I'm going to add a word here. Because it was built on the sand, it fell, and great was its fall. This is the Freedom Tower. It replaced the World Trade Center after we lost it at 9-1-1 in New York City. Isn't that a beautiful building? At the roof, it stands 1,368 feet, but they added the spire to bring it up to 1,776 feet, which commemorates the day that we declared our independence from a tyrannical government called Great Britain. In 1776, we declared our independence from a government of oppression and tyranny. And that building and that spire, the size of it, 1,776 feet tall, commemorates that day. What's interesting about this building, amongst a number of things, is that when they started work on the foundation, the foundation, uh, the technical specs, saying that it was 70 feet deep. But by the time it climbed over the pavement, probably was more like 105 feet deep and it was huge and square. And what's important about that is that they, they manufactured the concrete with a special predetermined hybrid brand to be exactly right because this was gonna be one big building. Instead of using rebar the size of your thumb, they used re rebar the size of your forearm. Now here's the most interesting fact about that. It took them two years before they ever got to the street level. Two years working on the foundation before they ever really began to build the building. That's because Jesus said foundations are important. Are you with me? Build your house on the rock. Every nation is built on a set of principles. Either the principles will create liberty, harmony, security, and prosperity, or tyranny, division, threat, and poverty. One or the other. We need to learn some things in America today. We're really good at being nice and loving and kind when we go about our business. But I'm telling you, everywhere I go, it's like we have forgotten the principles that we live by sometimes. Do you see what I see? The Bible is full of principles, statutes, ordinances, testimonies, and they are tried and they are true. The Bible is God's word. And there is no counsel and no wisdom against God's word. The Bible principle, the word principle means fundamental truth and doctrine or tenet that forms the basis of organization, government, law, justice, management, and conduct. 
You can have good principles that produce good things, or you can move off those good principles to bad principles, and it'll produce really bad things. Just as you can have good principles, Jesus said, the rock, you can have bad principles, the sand. We have something called the De Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for it? When's the last time you read it? I don't know, but I'm going to read it this week. Amen. Amen. Every tenet of the Declaration of Independence, every specific tenet, came from a sermon preached by a pastor in the churches of the colonial era. Alice Baldwin is a historian who wrote about the pastors in the colonial churches in, the, in that era. She's an expert. She said, there's not a right asserted in the Declaration of Independence which had not been discussed by the New England clergy before 1783. What if the pastors then had been like the pastors today who don't mention civil government in the pulpit? We would not have a Declaration of Independence. Did you get that? Yes. One of the great pastors back then, one of my favorites is uh, James Caldwell. You can read about him in the book, Bringing Back the Black Robe Regiment by Dan Fisher. And James Caldwell pastored a, a church in uh, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabethtown, New Jersey, I believe. And I loved him because he wore six shooters on both sides when he preached. And they were called the Black Robe Regiment because they always wore black robes when they stood in the pulpit and when they handled the incredible Word of God because there was a reverence for the preaching of the Word of God. And he preached the fundamental principles of the Bible concerning civil government. They preached salvation like you cannot believe. They preached the gospel like you cannot believe. But listen, they took the Bible and they preached the principles of God's word for every area of life. This word deals with every area of life. If we have a marriage problem, we come to the Bible. If we have a financial problem, we come to the Bible. If we have a parenting problem, we come to the Bible. How come it is that if we have a civil government problem and we have a civil government problem, how come we're not coming to the Bible? Amen. Many of the framers came out of James Caldwell's church, Elias Boudinot. He's a future president of the Continental Congress, one of the founders of the American Bible Society. In other words, because the preacher preached, he was a president of the Continental Congress and he founded the American Bible Society. What if the preacher hadn't been preaching the truth? And then Abraham Clark, he was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, came out of that church. William Livingston, a signer of the Constitution, came out of that church. 27 years ago, I was at a pregnancy center fundraiser in Lindsay, Texas, ABBA, all babies born alive. And I was there, I was just a young pastor. I had surrendered to preach in midlife. I came out of business and I was trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. And right off the bat, I met a guy named David Barton. 
He spoke for an hour and a half. I didn't sleep for two weeks. <laughs> so right then, God said, you will preach my word from cover to cover and deal with every subject I say in my word, and you will be faithful, and you will not compromise. People will leave your church. People will call you names. People will persecute you, but you will preach my word. And out of my church have come a number of men who've run for office, hallelujah. Men who know Christ, men who know the word, men who know this country are running for office, in office. And that's how you change this thing is you preach this word, hallelujah. Amen. Noah Webster, and watch this. Jesus said, if you build your house on the rock, now, one of the things you got to come to, come to grips with right now, I'm going to teach you some things you didn't learn in school. In fact, I'm going to teach you some things that you were told opposite in school. Many people were told opposite in school. One of the first things you got to come to grips with is either somebody, they didn't tell you the truth on purpose, or they didn't know the truth. But this is all documented. It's written in the, in the original documents. We could show you the papers. And Noah Webster said, the brief exposition of the Constitution of the United States will unfold to young persons the principles of Republican government, and it is the sincere desire of the writer that our citizens should early understand, that means kids, that the genuine source of correct Republican principles is the Bible, particularly the New Testament or the Christian religion. In other words, every precept of the Constitution of the United States came from the Bible. And that's easily documented. Do you hear me today? That's why this country, we're the longest, longest ongoing constitutional republic in history because the framers built this country on the rock. Do you hear me today? I'll come back to that in just a minute. The centerpiece of our government's the separation of powers, the inspiration for the three branches of government comes from two verses in the Bible, Jeremiah 17, 9, which says that man's heart is desperately sick, excuse me, is, is deceitful of all, it says that man's heart is desperately sick, excuse me, man's heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick, who can understand it? The framers understood Leaving a country that was full of tyranny and oppression, they understood that man's heart is given toward tyranny, control, and oppression. They were looking for a form of government that would keep you and I safe in 2020. So they came to a verse in the Bible, Isaiah 33, 22, which says, The Lord is our king. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our judge. And you can hear three branches of government in that verse very quickly. And this is documented. Do you hear me today? America is built on the rock. Can I get an amen out there? Amen. Now, some of you say, wait a minute, I wasn't taught that in school. Let me tell you something. I was not taught that in school. I'm still angry. I'm still angry today about it. I wasn't taught that in school. I was taught some backwater, errant form of socialism. I went to Texas Tech University. I went into a government class. 
I didn't know uh, I didn't know up from down, but I saw this guy up there on the stage. He had 400 students out there, and he's talking about something. What I did know is that what he was saying wasn't right. And along the way, friends, our land has been soaked with bad seed. Bad seed. This is the truth. This is where your constitutional republic came from. It came from the house that is built on the rock. Hallelujah. Therefore, America, we have become the greatest nation in the history of mankind. The greatest nation in the history of mankind. We have more compositions, more inventions, more innovations, uh, more copyrights, more books, more medical advances, uh, more everything than any other nation in the history of mankind. We're only 4% of the nation's population, yet we produce 25% of the world's goods. The second largest nation in the world, uh, um, Pakistan, their gross domestic product is less than the gross domestic product of a state called Louisiana. Louisiana outproduces a nation of 250 million people because we have a free market enterprise and it works. America grew last year to a gross domestic product of 21, just over $21 trillion. Nobody even close to us. And you got these people on TV who want to run for office and they want to change it. Do you really want that? I mean, we're at $21 trillion. I heard somewhere, somebody said, if it ain't broke. And it ain't broke. We have uh, the greatest military in the history of mankind. You can give them a round of applause. You sure Nobody flies like the Blue Angels or the Thunderbirds. Nobody. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem in America. There's a real threat. Hear me now. And you're here tonight because I think you know it. There's a real threat in our country. One of our biggest threats is ignorance. I hate that word. When I put this together, I said, Lord, that word is not going to make us feel good. Can I get a better, can I figure out a better word? I hate that word. But do you know a survey said that only one in a thousand Americans can name the five freedoms protected by the First Amendment from memory? Can you do it? The five freedoms of the First Amendment, only one in a thousand. And friends, let me tell you something. If we don't know how this thing works, if our kids don't know how this thing works, if we are not transferring the principles at home, in the church, and in the school righteously, we'll lose this land. And we're on the verge of losing this land. You could be three weeks away from the four weeks away from losing this land. Here they are. The five freedoms, religion, speech, the press, the right to assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Y'all gonna remember that memorize that this week, aren't you? Can I get an amen? Man, we have a threat. Our nation 
is under assault. But let me come back here for just a minute. I was in Senator James Langford's office in Washington, D.C. not too long ago, and it's his custom to have a coffee with about 35, 40 people, and we just sit in his office and we talk and have coffee together. On this particular occasion, he looked at me and he said, Brother Bill, what do you see as the greatest need in our nation today? And without hesitation, I said, the greatest need in our nation today is a law that says the government teacher and the history teacher must teach the principles and the underlying principles that undergird our Christian and constitutional republic just the way they're written, just the way they're supposed to be. Do you hear me today? Because the problem we have now is Satan has sown bad seed in our schools. Satan has sown, and listen, I love the schools. I love the teachers, the coaches, the superintendents. My wife is a school teacher. I love the schools, but we have a backwater brand of, of socialism being taught in our schools. And that's why we have a problem. Here it is. Dr. David Deming of Oklahoma University, back in the previous election, the first time Mr. Trump ran, uh, Bernie Sanders shocked everybody. And David Deming, he wrote an article that went across the nation. He put his job on the line to do it because Oklahoma University is so liberal. I don't know how to describe them. And he said the reason our young people have the burn, the reason they like Bernie Sanders is because our education system has failed. We are teaching socialism rather than a constitutional republic rooted in the rule of law, building your house on the rock, not the sand. Anybody with me today? That's our greatest, greatest need right now. Right now. Our nation's under assault. When the state becomes God, when the state becomes God, there about, there, there's a series of about five or six tenets of tyranny. You can dig them out of the book of Daniel. Study the book of Daniel. You'll see tyranny all over the place. Well, when the state becomes God, bad things been, begin to happen. This, this is uh, the clerk in... Uh, Kim Davis, this is the clerk in, in uh, Kentucky. You remember when the horrible, illegal edict came down for the Supreme Court, and suddenly, suddenly, without any legislation, without any law, but suddenly, same-sex marriage is legal. A huge majority of the states had already voted by a huge majority of the people to amend their constitution to say that marriage between a man and a woman married to each other and nine lawyers, five of whom overturned that. Even Chief Justice John Roberts, for the first time, he called them lawyers as a sign of disrespect. He said what they did was not law, what they did was illegal. And they took, they took the Constitution like wax in their hands and they reformed it according to their own vision for America. And a justice cannot do that. Nobody wrote any regulations, no nothing. Just suddenly it's going across the land and Kim Davis was presented with a marriage certificate and she said, I will not... I will not issue a marriage certificate. She was presented with an opportunity to issue a marriage certificate for a same-sex couple, and she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. 
Folks, they threw this woman in jail. At the same time, under Obama, there was a couple of Muslim truck drivers, a couple of Muslim truck drivers who worked for a company that wanted them to transfer or transport beer across the country to the West Coast. And they said because of their religion, they would not do it. So the trucking company fired them. They filed suit. Now, bless their heart, Mr. Obama was their president. So they had one of the top lawyers in the land. They had their own lawyers, but they had one of the top ones, one of the, one of the leaders in the Equal Employment Opportunity Com Commission in Washington, D.C. came and fought the case with them. They won their case. The trucking company had to pay them $250,000. Now I want you to watch what the, this leader of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission said. We are proud to support the rights of workers to equal treatment in the workplace without having to sacrifice their religious beliefs or practices. It's fundamental to the American principles of religious freedom and tolerance. But watch this. When the state becomes God, this is no longer the law that's fair to everybody. When the state becomes God, they make laws according to their own whim. And it's happening in Washington, D.C. right now. And ladies and gentlemen, hear me tonight. We have a problem. Our next threat is socialism. Mr. Biden, Ms. Harris. I had to repent. <laughs> I was watching the debate. Every third sentence I came out of my chair. Mama kept saying, Daddy, settle down. You've got to preach it a couple of days. You need the anointing. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun, but. Both parties, the Democrat and the Republican Party, are clear. Both of them are saying to you, this is the most important election in the history of the United States of America. If you watch the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation, I actually, when it was over, I left stunned. I had to go drive around for a while just to calm down. I was stunned by what I saw. But what I saw was is the socialists in the Democratic Party came out of the closet. And the socialists in the Democratic Party have come out of the closet and they're very clear. Read the press. Listen, they're clear. They want the country. They intend to change the country. Uh, today is, uh, what is today, Thursday? A couple of days ago, I was listening to, uh, a few days ago, I saw Mr. Biden in Florida and he was just like this. If we can just win Florida, we can change the country. You always hear them saying, we want to fundamentally change the country. That means at the foundational level where it's supposed to be built upon rock, they want to change the country. Do you hear me? Well, what this election is about is keeping our Christian and constitutional republic under the rule of law. Or becoming a socialist state.
And that's what both, both the parties are saying. I'm not telling you that. They're both talking about it, are they not? They're talking about it openly on the press. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a bad deal. Bad deal. Socialism fundamentally involves taking money from other people into the government and the government in its wisdom. <laughs> redistributes it as they see fit. Now I preached, I preached a message last Sunday from my pulpit. I asked the question, the title of my message, does Jesus approve of socialism? He does not. And you can get my message uh, on, on YouTube. You can go listen to it. Does Jesus approve of socialism? He does not. He wants us to help the needy, but if you'll study your Bible, he assigns the helping of the needy to individuals, to the church, and to charity. He never assigns helping the needy to the government. Do you hear me? He never gives it to the government. You hear people all the time saying Jesus was a socialist because he told us to help the needy. No, he wasn't. No, he isn't. But yes, he wants us to help people rightly. You know, those, those who cannot work, don't have opportunity to work, need our help. Those who can work, have opportunity to work, and won't work, neither let them eat. Say it again, neither let them eat. Because if you don't let them eat, they'll get off the welfare roll and, and go to work, and you won't see them in Walmart with pajamas on anymore. <laughs> Cannot tell my wife I said that. <laughs> you know, Durant one day, this is a side thing. Durant one day I said for my Sunday morning pulpit, I said, next thing you know, somebody's going to be in their pajamas with a monkey in Walmart. I got a call that afternoon. They said, Brother Bill, you'll never believe that. <laughs> Do you hear me? Listen. You know why government can't help the needy? Government can't pay for it. Since COVID started, our debt's gone up $4 trillion. Our debt, I looked at it two, two days ago, I looked at it today, it's gone up several hundred million dollars in two days. Senator Tom Coburn, he wrote the book, The Debt Bomb, and it's been quite a while. He said, we pay $40,000 a second in interest. It's more than that now. More than that now. Today we're at, we're at 27 and some odd trillion dollars. We're headed toward 28 trillion dollars just like that. That's why Mr. Trump's not approving the 2.4 that Nancy wants. And he don't want to give money to the states that will squander the money. Because we can't do it anymore. And government, first of all, Article 1, Section 8, the government shouldn't even be involved in health care. Obamacare is a takeover by government of your health care system. My premiums went up 400%. Obama said you can still have your Cadillac policy. He just didn't say it's gonna cost you like you can't believe. Why, because somebody's gotta pay for it, the socialistic ideal. Who pays for it? You do. You see, government can't make money. They can't sell anything. They don't have any way to make money. The only way they can, can have money is to take it from you. Mr. Biden has already said, I'm going to raise taxes. 
You, you elect me, I'll raise taxes. And folks, listen, I'm not interested in fair play right now. I'm interested in truth. And I'm interested in the principles, even if it makes somebody mad. Because we cannot play games anymore. Only two entities can take money out of your pocket, a thief and the governor. We cannot afford socialism. Do you hear me? One last thing and I move on. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. A few months ago, first of the year, Amazon was going to move their headquarters to New York City. Moving their headquarters. And they asked New York City to give them about $3 billion of incentives. I mean, you make an investment, we'll make an investment, right? That's good business. $3 billion and we come. Alexandria went nuts. She raised up all of her people in her district and they fought and they yelled and they screamed until finally they told Amazon, we can't do business with you. And her, her thoughts were, and this is published, her thoughts were, hallelujah, we won. She didn't say hallelujah, but she said, we won. And we'll spend that $3 billion in our districts. <laughs> Amazon was about to bring about $140 billion to that area and 40,000 new jobs. Listen, don't you love Granbury? I love this place. I go around the square. I ate till I was sick over there today. <laughs> I had some chocolate cake you never seen. You can't have that place in a socialist society. You can't have this beautiful venue in a socialist society because the people will not have the incentive to invest their money in this place. They're not going to invest it and have the government take it and give it to somebody that won't work. It does not work. What do we do about it? We need to suit up. Only a well-instructed people alone can be permanent free people, James Madison said. We have to learn about this system of government. Amen. Study. Go to wallbuilders.com. You'll never, you'll never end. Study, study, study. We got to speak up. Pastors. The guy that God used to lead the first great, uh, excuse me, the second great awakening, Charles Finney, great preacher. He said, if there is a decay of conscience in the nation, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discernment and the public press lacks discernment in America, NBC is the naughty broadcast company. CBS is the corrupt broadcast system. CNN is the Chaldean News Network because the press is out of whack today. The press is involved in ideological preaching rather than reporting if you're paying attention. And he said, if the pulpit, he said, if the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. The world loses its interest in Christianity. The pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in our halls of legislation, and he does, 
Anybody want to challenge me on that? He does. The pulpit is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. And we're very close to that. Glenn Beck made a statement this week or late last week that the, our, our, the only hope we have coming into November is the pulpits need to come alive. Yeah. That's Glenn Beck. I don't know if there's pastors in this house, but let me just say it very clearly. It scares me sometimes. I preached a message last week and I said to my people, you know how hard it is to preach this message. Uh, does Jesus approve of socialism? Why was it hard for me? Because I knew I would probably lose somebody in my church. Have I lost people in my church before? Yes. Because they don't want to hear the truth. But I got a solid bunch of people around me that keep lifting me up. And they say, Brother Bill, you preach that truth until the cows come home. And don't you worry about it. And we have to get out of this church growth ideology crazy. I mean, it's not crazy. We want to reach people. We want to build the kingdom. We want to reach people for Christ, right? But that's not all it is. Let me say that right. That's not all it is. It's not either or. It's both and all the above. Can I get an amen? I think I said it right. We do it all. Preach the whole counsel of the word of God. Amen. And then we got to stand up. This is Kelvin Cochran. I'm about done. Kelvin Cochran. He was a national fire chief under George W. Bush when he was president. A wonderful man of God. Loved Jesus. Knows the Bible. The mayor of Atlanta called him and said, Would you come to Atlanta and be our fire chief? So he did. Along the way, Kelvin wrote a book called uh, Who Told You You Were Naked? I bet it's the name of the book. For men, based on the Bible, and talking to men about holiness and living right. And in the book, he talks about the fact that homosexuality is a sin. And can I be very clear? Homosexuality is a sin. Yeah. Adultery is a sin. Yeah. Fornication is a sin. Nobody's special. We're all sinners. But we cannot legitimize that which God calls sin. Right. It's sin. So he called it sin. And the mayor fired him for writing the book. Fired him. Because that's the country we live in. We have a threat. Can I get an amen? amen. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, hear my heart. I'm telling you, this uh, we need to call everybody we know and tell them you got to vote right. And see, the problem is we think the left, and I'm about done, we think the left and the right are both right. They're not. We think well, the two parties must be right, let's be fair. No, there's a right, there's a wrong here. And I'm going to say it straight. The democratic ideology of socialism is no good for America. We have to stand if we're going to keep this thing on the rock and not have it move to the sand. Kelvin stood 
He stood, some good Christian people helped him. They filed suit. Atlanta just recently had to pay him $1.2 million. Father, I just thank you for a remnant group of pastors right now in our country who are willing to stand on your word and speak the truth unashamed. A group of men and women who go boldly, boldly before you. That they will speak your word, your whole word, in truth, in spirit. Father, I, I ask you that help us to turn the hearts and minds of our children towards you. Inspire us as parents and leaders that we can seek you in all we do and we can teach it to our children. That we are no longer living in fear of repercussion. That the pulpit and your church will finally stand up and be manifested into what you have claimed it to be. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen.